Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's kick it. Happy Sober Day, friends, and welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. That may sound crazy, but I wouldn't be where I am and helping others without it. So for that, I am grateful. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast in which we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. Check us out on Instagram at the Sobriety Diaries pod and at the sobrietydiaries.com for all things podcast related. Now let's get down to the business at hand. Joining us today is my friend, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy Saturday. How's your weekend going? It's good. It's busy, but it's good. <laughs> awesome. I guess we can say that we're we're living a good life and we're talking about recovery. What more could we ask for, right? Exactly. Waking up hangover free and sober is such a blessing. Amen. Well, <laughs> I guess sort of a backstory of, of how we ended up here today. I was struck by your Instagram profile and, and sent you a DM and you were very eager to sort of help the next struggling addict. And we mm-hmm. kind of made this happen quickly. So I greatly appreciate that. And that's the only reason that, that I'm doing this. So I appreciate you being a part of it. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me. I'm very honored. <laughs> Thank you so much. What is something that you are grateful for today? Um, something that I am grateful for today is my contentment in where I am in life right now. Um, this sobriety journey has really given me a lot of weight that's been lifted off and replaced with content and peace and challenges. And I'm just super thankful for that and grateful for it. So I have never had it in the past recovery journeys before. So it's amazing what we can handle, right? You know, for, for me in a, in a sort of miserable state of active addiction, you know, I didn't think I had time for anything or that I, I was, you know, skillful enough to do things like this, for instance. And then when you have a, cl- a clear mind and you're able to, to like focus and commit to things, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Agreed. Definitely agree. Well, let's open the diary on Sarah. Let's hear your story. <laughs> Take it away. Well, let's see. Um, This is not my first rodeo, as I like to call it. Um, I have actually been in and out of sobriety and recovery for over 10 years. Um, I started when I was uh, 21. Unfortunately, um, I got in trouble and got a DUI, which I'm actually really thankful for that I received that um, because it was my first step into AA, and it was the first time that I thought do I have a problem with alcohol? And the thing is at that time, 
I was 21. I was bartending and cocktail serving. I was just thinking, I'm young. This is a phase. I'm just having fun. It's normal to to go out and party all the time. And then also being in the service industry too, as well. Um, I'm not sure if you have been in the service industry, but it, it, it revolves around drinking. Sure <laughs> does. It's a big thing. part of my story as well. Yeah, it's it's drinking after work, going to happy hour before work, sampling the new cocktail menu, or it's just it's it's all drinking. That's that's pretty much yep. <laughs> all it's it true. is. It's really true. <laughs> yeah, and so um, the lifestyle I was living um, was really a big part of that too. And then also um, looking back at it, being young and um, the the norm the normalization and the social acceptance of drinking what whenever you watch tv shows movies all that stuff you see all the college kids they're partying they're drinking they're going to happy hours and all that stuff so a lot of the time you're like well that's what i'm supposed to do you right. know right <laughs> just fitting so in that, here exactly yeah so we're just we're taught that it's super normal uh to do that and so um living the lifestyle of the service industry and dealing with suppressed anxiety and depression um that also led to uh my my drinking too as well i was really reflecting on what caused me to drink and my drinking started before the dui um when i was 20 i did um i was sexually assaulted by a coworker and um, ended up going to the hospital for it. Um, the doctor didn't believe me. Um, it was a it was a big mess, and I've never felt so low after something like that happening that I wow. fell into such a deep depression of it because I just wanted it to go away. You know, I just all this stuff. So th that's when I started to uh, isolate drink and drink in my room alone mm. and all that stuff and then uh escaping to work and then going out with friends afterwards it was just a big spiral of of hell um pardon my french to yeah. to yeah. say the least and it kept going and going and going and because alcohol is such a good suppressant of emotions i never yes. had to deal i i never dealt with the anxiety and depression that i have and so the alcohol quieted a lot it was like shh like just stay back there stay back here <laughs> so perfectly put that is so perfectly yeah. put yeah so that is kind of the the beginning of that but w with that dui i kind of go to an outpatient treatment type of thing um through the courts and that was the first time i got the notion that i have a problem with alcohol and like i said earlier it was a phase whatever you know i'm 21 yeah, right <laughs> i can't i don't i you know, with the stigma and everything with uh, with addiction, I don't look like an alcoholic. Um, right. I don't have the lifestyle of an alcoholic. And so I was giving myself all these excuses that I couldn't possibly be, I could have yeah. possibly have a problem with alcohol. And yeah, I can, I, I totally relate to that. And I think when we are that young, even if we have that sort of nagging suspicion in the back of our own minds, mm -hmm. other people aren't yet bringing it up to you because we are young for me especially I, I certainly had the nagging suspicion but I was able to sort of stretch it out for a few more years before people started bringing it up to me so yeah that was kind of the same way kind of the same way with me I kept rolling with the punches and then later in life it was when people started to 
um, express their concern. And I just didn't want to deal with or admit to the fact that, yes, yeah, Sarah, uh, you got a drinking problem, hands down. You know, my drinking continued from uh, from all my early and mid 20s. Um, I ended up getting married um, at 27, 27. It, and um, we, my ex-husband and I, we met around booze. Uh, we met at the Brew Festival in, in Oregon and, um, you know, we ended up getting married and we just weren't the perfect match. We both were very unhappy uh, in our marriage. And so with that unhappiness in the marriage, I, you know, kept drinking and that ended up getting me into my first uh, vacation to treatment, as I like to call it, mm-hmm. um, which was a really great experience. But at that point in time, I was uh, 29 and I had wanted to quit drinking and I didn't know how I knew I needed to. And so my ex-husband kind of was like, you you have to go to treatment. And I'm really happy that I did. Um, because I really wanted it, but there was something missing from going to treatment, like inside myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, treatment was really good. I met a lot of great people. I got a lot of tools. And when I got out, uh, I stayed sober for a while. Um, but I only changed the facade of my addiction, which means I just stopped drinking. I didn't do anything else. I didn't work on myself. I didn't go to therapy. I didn't do anything else in regards to that. I just did the notion of not drinking, which Mm. then caused me to relapse. Yeah. (laughs) Got to work on that cause, don't we? Yeah, that cause. Apparently, there's no magic wand or or anything. So I wish somebody told me that. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Saved you another Um, vacation. Yes. And um, because there's no magic wand, it did earn me another vacation um, to treatment a year later and um, went to a a different treatment center. And it was a it was a better experience than the first time around. And while I was in treatment, my ex-husband decided that it was time for us to go our separate ways. And that was right before I got out of treatment and I had to move back in with my parents because I had nowhere to go. Um, I was alone and um, I felt like my life crumbled apart and I felt like being in treatment, I should have had more strength to do it. And I was strong while I was in treatment, obviously, but it didn't take me that long after I felt like my whole life crumbled Mm. apart that I relapsed again right after treatment. And that was... um, about two and a half years ago, uh, no, two years ago, that happened. And then I was in and out. Um, I'm a binge drinker. I don't know if, if you're a binge drinker or yes. not. My life was um, drinking for a week straight and then stopping for a while. And then drink, stop, drink, stop. And yeah. um, it didn't become every, it was towards the end before I got, um, into this journey it was it got to the point where it was every day but it wasn't drinking to get drunk it was trying to get rid of the hangover and um the hopelessness so but yeah binge drinking was my big thing so when I got out of treatment for the second time moved with my parents I'm like I'm 30 um my life no I was 31 I was like my life is falling apart like I should be 
have a fantastic career. I shouldn't be having these problems. And so it just put me more into a spiral of hopelessness and depression. And um, I felt like I had nobody and I was completely miserable with my life. And so I just kept drinking. That's, that's what I knew how to do. That's, that's what right. I knew how to do. Right. Yeah. So, which is funny because you want to drink to forget about your problems and you feel good. And then you wake up the next morning and you feel just like, you just swallowed gasoline Times on all of 10. your problems. Right, right. <laughs> and Terrible. Then, yeah, then you light a match and do it again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, we have this sick, my addiction, you know, it starts with a obsession of the mind. So I obsess mm-hmm. over the alcohol. And then, of course, it turns into that physical addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, that is um, absolutely true for me as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the, the, of the mind too, it's, I feel like in a way, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but I think maybe I speak for some other people. Um, it's the romanticizing of being able to relax with that glass of wine or being able to have fun at a party or that you're an adult, you should be allowed to consume alcoholic beverages. And so it's, you know, it's, it's this whole romanticized thing that ends up being a toxic, right. I have yeah exactly right I have lost the privilege of consuming alcohol as an adult because (laughs) I can't handle it and to touch on on something that that you had just said it's you know there are alcoholics of all kinds there are binge drinkers there are those who drink 24 7 there are those who can kind of pick it up or leave it but could still be considered an alcoholic because of why they drink and how they drink so are we drinking to cover things up are we drinking because of a more you know deep-seated internal issue it's not the quantity or the you know amount or the um the how often you drink um i think Mm -hmm. it's that reason and that sort of inner voice that classifies you and i and probably Mm -hmm. some folks listening as as alcoholics and addicts yeah, and, it, and it's also the reaction, too, that you have from it as well. Um, it, you know, if if there is ever a point in your life where, I mean, at, towards the end, I was, a, I was a blackout drinker, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't even take me that much in the end to yeah. it's uh, like, all of a sudden. It's oozing through our veins at, at yeah. one point, so then you, te- you have two drinks and you feel like you've had 20. Yeah. Or like you're fine, fine, fine. You've had a few, you've had a couple of drinks and then you have that one drink and all of a sudden you're like the next morning, you're like, where did that go? You know, it just what happened? turned like that. And, um, that's obviously a, a health thing for our mind and body saying like, okay, our kidneys and liver is not processing this. You're killing yourself. Um, Correct. pretty much. We all have the possibility of a relapse. What are you doing to, to safeguard this time that maybe you weren't before? Yeah, so why this journey is so different than my past ones is that um, I have completely let my walls down. Um, I let down my perfectionist attitude. I am 100% honest about everything. I just let everything out, which is one of the reasons that I started my Instagram profile. Yeah. Um, is I'm like, I need to be honest and open because I was kept reverting back to old 
habits that I was doing of being a perfectionist, not talking about my problems, hiding everything, not just drinking, but just any problem that I had, I was really good at sweeping it under the rug. And if I don't see it or talk about it, it doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it's like a, a five-year-old sneaking past with their parents in the kitchen for a cookie. Like, if I don't right. see them, they can't see me, you know? And but then like, it's like oh. that cookie crumb is still on your cheek. So I, I think the, the whole honest and transparent part of me is, is something that's definitely different. It's holding myself more accountable um, in, in that regards. And honestly, I know this is such a horny little phrase, but in a typical phrase for somebody in addiction, but I, I've said it in the past before, but this time I truly meant it. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I mm. literally cannot handle it anymore. I, it, it was between a matter of life and death pretty much. Same. And I'm not being dramatic when I no, say that. I, yeah. yeah. I had a moment of that same realization where it got to the point where I'm not I'm not sure why it happened on the day that it did or how because I know that my own decision making wasn't responsible for it. If I you know, I in my intoxicated mind, if I were making decisions that day, I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you. But mm -hmm. you know, I finally had that day where I just threw my hands up and was willing to surrender and that's that's what it took and thank goodness that uh that it's been since that day but yeah i think you have to you know not not necessarily everyone has to make it to a bottom i think um mm -hmm. but those of us who do because because i certainly did as well i think for me i have to keep it like far enough away where i'm not like con like thinking about it too often but like mm -hmm. fresh enough that it i can feel go back to that place and remember yeah. what it was like so that, you know, if I start getting any crazy thoughts, I can remember what it felt like so I don't go back there. Yeah, and I think that it, that is pretty important. And I know a lot of people in recovery talk about, you know, don't look back, you're not going that way or the past is in the past. And yes, I think that you definitely need to move on and not be so hard on yourself of the past choices that you made when you were in active addiction because you're not that person anymore but I feel like also at the same time I know I do this I will remember those moments and take them with a grain of salt but also really remember them because I don't want to go back to that like exactly. as yeah, I would rather have a, a day of irritable cravings or anything like that and just muddle through it then go back to I'm just going to have a drink and then my week long bender and I've just completely traveled back in time. Right, exactly. I want to ask you about another question about relapse if I can. If we have any listeners who maybe are feeling squirrely or in your words kind of muddling through, what advice can you give or what led to your relapse that we can look for and try to identify so it doesn't happen to others? The common denominators with all of my relapses um, were I started to self-isolate. So that was like one of the biggest things. I didn't uh, reach out to anybody. And when I mean reach out to anybody, it could it could be as simple as um, going to a 12-step meeting um, or anything like that, or just, you know, a, a good friend or any something like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, but I definitely... Um, isolated and I completely 
had a case of the the screw it. I was like, screw it. Like, I don't want to deal with it. And then I just literally turned off my brain to any emotions. So I isolated and I stopped feeling. And that is a huge thing that caused me to relapse. Um, because I, it just made me think that it wasn't worth it and Mm. that I just couldn't handle it. And so in regards to saying that to stop it in its tracks, it's okay to feel hopeless and sad and depressed and irritated and frustrated. It is so okay to have those feelings and learning to navigate your feelings sober is such a difficult journey. Um, it's not easy. Um, it's like a kid learning how to ride a bike again, but as an adult, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so one thing that helps me and it may not help others, but I know for me is that I embrace those feelings for a short bit yeah, yeah. and reflect on why I'm feeling that way and kind of tell myself, Sarah, you're going to feel you're irritated because you, somebody said something or you can't have a drink or something in life didn't go your way. Like, yeah, yeah that sucks. It's frustrating, but this is only going to last temporarily. Yes. And Um, And then another big thing that I do is I jump on the Instagram sober community and the community online has changed. I feel support for everyone in recovery so much. You're going to make me Um, emotional about it. Yeah. so true, Sarah. It is. I mean, for someone um, like you, like doing podcasts, yeah, there's so much sober support out there. um, And I really wish it, it was more like this two years ago. Um, than it is now, but I'm so happy for the IG community. I have a lot of people who reach out to me saying that they feel alone and all that stuff and and those types of feelings. And I know how that feels, even though you're around a bunch of people or you're with your family, significant other, Mm. um, you do feel alone, but you can reach out to your sober community because they do know how you feel. Like, because I can relate to mostly everybody who speaks to me when it comes to that feeling. So definitely. uh, Yeah. I think it's important to, in, in uh, regards to recovery, you know, if you need that support or you need that chat to reach out to someone who has the same lived experience, um, mm-hmm. sort of the guidance that you're looking for, you know, it might not be your mom in a particular situation or, yeah. you know, your sister, uh, someone that can relate and truly understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I think that's um, very important. I don't talk to, you know, my close girlfriends, they don't have a problem with alcohol. So I don't really speak to them about what I'm going through or the emotions I have because they, they can't, they can have empathy for me, but they can't relate to it. Um, the, the type of emotions that somebody with addiction goes through truly is unique and, um, the only person they can relate to is another fellow person who's gone through what they've gone through. So true. It, this is so funny. You know how things kind of just happen. I mean, happen for a reason is it's pretty cliche, yeah. but this has come up now three times today, once in the live stream and another recording that I did, but that we as addicts and alcoholics more so than any other community are willing to share like our deepest, darkest secrets in our most vulnerable times in our lives mm-hmm. with, you know, strangers, for lack of a better <laughs> word, to be able to relate and have that shared experience mm-hmm. to help each other. And I think mm-hmm. you set it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I mean, if you think about it, most of us have such suppressed and, and dark feelings that 
and um, that we think that we're alone or we're the only ones with a drinking problem. We're the only ones who drink this way. We're the only ones who do things when we're drunk this way. You know, we think that we're so flawed and weak and helpless and we're like oh my gosh this isn't normal i must be absolutely insane when in reality like it's absolutely not you have you're not alone you have so many other people out there who can relate to (laughs) you know the way that i drank and this crap that i did i was like i must be the craziest person in the world i'm the only person who does this this is nuts i will will never tell anyone about this i I must be crazy and then you you talk to an alcoholic or you go to a meeting and it's they've seen it all and you're like okay these are my people (laughs) exactly yeah yep so (laughs) i usually like to touch on the hereditary side of addiction Mm -hmm. versus perhaps um, a trauma that has uh, occurred do you feel as though maybe you were headed on a path of addiction prior to your trauma or do you have a family history of addiction yeah so um I didn't grow up around um alcoholics my mom and dad weren't um, my my siblings didn't have a problem I was the only one out of my immediate family that had one and my mom and dad did a really great job at not having alcohol around when we were young and everything because they didn't have a drinking problem they don't really drink at all but um looking at my family history um and having people in addiction in my family um it was it must have just uh weaseled around and decided this one was this is the one (laughs) could have maybe skipped a generation or yeah maybe Mm -hmm. in the in the lifeline somewhere you think yeah something yeah and and I do believe it is um there is the hereditary factor there is also the environment of growing up so people who and this is from research that I've done I'm not um or anything but I know that people who uh grow up to be um in addiction have had in some way grown up around it and so it's just I don't know it's it's just such a tricky thing and then it really is I think it's probably just the perfect or worst storm of your environment and nature and nurture and maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit of genetics and it's probably a a good or gross mix of all of them yeah exactly let's talk some fun things um (laughs) your instagram is amazing um you've got a pretty your your i mean i'm looking through your website now and it's it looks like you work really hard on it and sort of starting in this genre and, and launching this podcast, I know how much hard work that is. Mm-hmm. Um, what inspired you to kind of focus on, you know, an online presence and in, in the recovery side of things. And mm-hmm. let's talk about that journey. Yeah. So, um, one of the main reasons I started my, um, first, my, I started my Instagram before I started my blog. Um, and the main thing about my Instagram is that I didn't no, I, I knew some people in recovery, um, but I didn't have a lot that a lot of people I could relate to. And also one of the reasons why I didn't admit that I had a problem with alcohol is because of the stigma around it. Right. And so that's a really scary thing to admit that, especially with the, the stereotype and the stigmatism with, with addiction. Yeah. And I just got so sick of being a facade of a person and a perfectionist that I was like, do you know what? It's time to find my fellow people 
put it out there. Yeah. My community, it is time for me um, to, I need inspiration from others, but hopefully um, my story can inspire somebody else who had this, who went through the same thing I did and had the same feelings and, and scaredness of, of starting this journey. So that was a big thing that I, um, one of the reasons I started my Instagram page. Um, Plug your IG for us. Where can they find you on Instagram? Um, at uh, savvy underscore sobriety 32. <laughs> that is me. That is, that's <laughs> the, Sarah. The sassy, yeah, <laughs> I'll link it in the, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's quite sassy, but I will, I'll link your things in the um, show notes as well. Oh, awesome. Um, how I started my blog. It's funny. I, I don't, I never was a big writer growing up or anything, or I don't know how, I can't remember how well I did on like papers in high school or anything, yeah. but with all the, I'm a very informational person. I like to read a lot. Um, I know a bunch of random useless facts about stuff. <laughs> I do a lot of research and everything. Um, so I always have a, a, a lot to say, and I realized I wanted to get this information out there. Um, with the struggles that you, you don't hear about in the way that recovery journeys aren't all one size fits all. And there's so many different things that you can do and just having people having the knowledge of, of said certain things. Um, and I realized that Instagram, you can't write long caption, like super long <laughs> captions. Yeah. <right. laughs> so I was like, I have so much more to say. Um, and then I was like, I should start a blog. I don't know who will read it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny but, how we're, we're, we're pulled in a direction or we're drawn to things. You know, if, if you think that you can help someone and if you have, you know, a passion in the voice to deliver it, do mm -hmm. it. You know, if two people see it, if three people listen to this podcast, that that's enough for me. You know, it's, I'm doing it because I want to help people and that I have a passion to deliver, deliver a message. So that's why I'm doing it. Not for the, mm -hmm. you know, likes and, and whatnot. So I think we're on the yeah. same page there. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, cause I wish that I, the stories that I know now from everybody in the community, I wish I, I knew back then, but I know a lot of people were scared to talk about it back then. So I think it's a, a great way to share that you're not alone. And then also one thing for me too, is that, um, as, as obviously the years go on, recovery changes a little bit on how we get here. And, um, a lot of people think recovery is just a one, one way street. Like yeah. you, you can only do it this exact way. And that's the only way you can get sober. And that's not true. There's so many different ways that you can do about it. And it's not a one size fits all. Um, it, you can tailor it to yourself. Um, and so that was one thing. I think I was having a, a problem with that in the past was if I didn't do it this direct way, I would never succeed. And so. Um, How horrible if we all had to follow the same path, right? I know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the thing is, we're all humans. We're all unique. Right. We all like different things. Um, you know, it's we all learn differently. Exactly. We all express emotion exactly. differently. I was tripping over my words. Yeah. 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 And, and so this is like one way is not going to be the one. And it's not universal pretty much. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What do you hope that listeners walk away with from hearing you today? I hope that they know that it takes a lot of strength and grit to start a journey like this. 
And one big thing is that you are not alone. You really do have a whole sober community behind your back and that you you have a lot of resources at um, your fingertips and so much support. Um, I mean, anybody at any time can reach out to me um, via Instagram and I will be there unless I'm sleeping. <laughs> replies but, to dms trust me <laughs> yes i know dms yes i will respond back always unless i am a <laughs> <laughs> um but truly it's um one big thing is that it's a scary journey it's not easy um there's no magic pill there's no magic wand there's no fairy godmother but you are stronger than you think that you give yourself credit for So I want people to know that to give themselves grace and know that they have this true strength to go into recovery and sobriety and you truly can change your life doing this as well. That's beautiful. Well said. Thank you, Sarah. That brings us to the end of today's episode of the Sobriety Diaries. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Huge, huge thank you to Sarah. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your time today. Let's keep in touch, okay? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Nate. (laughs) We'll talk soon. Enjoy the rest of your day, Sarah. Sounds great. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And head on over to the sobrietydiaries.com for all things podcast related. Check back soon for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourselves. Bye, friends.